Welcome back for another episode of The Break Room, the podcast by Privia Health. Office managers play a pivotal role in guiding practices' day-to-day operations as well as long-term strategy. However, today's private practice administrators face an array of complex challenges such as satisfying patients' evolving preferences, transitioning to value-based care, and avoiding consolidation. Here with me to discuss these trends, uh, issues, and opportunities is Mike Gable, CEO of McIntosh Clinic, a multi-specialty practice located in Thomasville, Georgia. In this role, Mike oversees an 80-person team, including 12 board-certified physicians across internal medicine, dermatology, rheumatology, pulmonary medicine, and pathology. Mike also serves as the president of the Georgia chapter of the Medical Group Management Association. In his free time, he enjoys fishing, traveling, and spending time with his wife, Mary, and their three children. Our conversation explores strategies to attract and retain talent amid economic inflation and widespread staffing shortages, tools to manage attributed patients and prevent unnecessary ER visits, and tips to improve collections and revenue cycle management while lowering overhead costs. Mike, thank you so much for joining me on The Break Room to discuss promising solutions to these urgent issues confronting practice administrators. Conversations about obstacles and trends in healthcare often revolve around physicians and patients. And that's understandable to a degree, you know, where all patients and the doctor-patient relationship is absolutely vital. However, we less often hear from the administrators who do so much to enable that care and connection. In your perspective, what are the most urgent and complex challenges that private practices today face? And what is the role of office managers and practice administrators in solving them? Hey Morgan, it is. It's a it's a unique world we live in, especially in the independent physician space. We're a 30-year-old practice that was started by a group of individuals across multiple specialties. And uh, as of today, I have one of the founding original members left. All the original ones have retired. The last one has about two years. So we are definitely staring at the the graying of the physician population. What what do we do to be able to recruit new talent? What do we do to prepare a, an offer or a set of benefits that are enticing the younger physicians? You know, we we are in a, a unique part of the world where we are in South Georgia in a smaller town. You know, one, one of the issues we face from a, from a recruiting perspective is, you know, the physicians are the business owners versus an employed situation at a hospital, a large health group, those sorts of situations. We don't have the traditionally have the deep pockets to, you know, match contracts and those sorts of things. So what we do is try to create an offer that will that will create interest amongst physicians. We've been successful with it so far, thank goodness. But, you know, a big part of that is being able to offer a benefits package, you know, partially funded by the successes we've had in value-based contracts. You know, I, I have internal medicine physicians that work four and a half days a week, 48, 47 weeks a year, that take home in the top 5% of internal medicine physicians in the country. I mean, we've won actually some head-to-head competition, you know, negotiations, I won't call them competitions, but, you know, being able to take that money, 
bring physicians in, give them a, what we jokingly call the bear hug and, and teach them what the world of value-based care is, especially younger physicians that don't have an opportunity to really learn that in school. And honestly, you know, working with you guys that have coding specialists that already have a set of, hey, here's what risk coding is. You know, here's the basics that you start with. You know, having our performance consultant come on site and, you know, online training is great and you can gather a lot of it. But y'all's willingness to come out, spend a day or two or three with the physician and follow them around and going, hey, you're going the long way around. You know, here, here's a shorter point A to point B to get it done that makes your life easier. It makes it that so when you walk out of here at five o'clock every day, every one of your clinical inboxes is empty and you don't worry about this place again until you walk in the next morning, which is really our goal. We really pride ourselves here on the clinic. We always say, do what you do. That's what we say. You know, doctors do the doctoring. The business staff runs the business office. You know, I manage all of them from a top level. You know, really try to put the people in the positions to be successful. And, and you know, some of, some of the other stuff, big challenges, and we're not unique to this, is staff shortages. We're, we're in a world where there's not enough medical assistance. There's not enough RNs. There's not enough heck anything respiratory techs phlebotomists it doesn't really matter what the what the area is there's just not enough of them so we've tried to you know a find creative ways to make the jobs available to people that traditionally you know we've always been a come to the office business you know and finding ways to be more flexible with that to give new staff the opportunity to maybe work either non-traditional locations or non-traditional hours. Claims don't have to be sent out between 8 a.m. and 5 p.m. You've got a part-time worker who's available 7 to 10 during the week that's willing to, you know, willing to do it. It's It's been helpful for us. You know, the other part of it is kind of leveraging y'all's size. CCM nurses, your revenue cycle management team. One of the things early on that we kind of laid out with our relationship with Privia and Athena as well was kind of the we, you, them model. You guys and Athena do a good job of taking a lot of the weight out of the more mundane tasks, the tab A and the slot B kind of stuff, um, which allows me to be a little leaner on staff here. We also, um, things are a little more expensive today than they were a year ago. So we've been able to, you know, use y'all's group purchasing, access to technology at national rates. You know, I can call any number of service companies and go, hey, I'd like to use your product. And they go, great. It's X amount of dollars. But Privia calls them and they go, it's half of X just because of the volume. And we understand that, you know, it allows us access to things that at rates that would, you know, honestly make it a a good deal for us and the ability to kind of leverage that and and be successful and, and do the best we can, even though it's a, a, it feels like a losing fight sometimes to help keep our overall overhead down. Yeah, you, you made so many awesome points just now, Mike. And I definitely like to revisit and dig deeper into the value-based care angle. But I find it very interesting how your physician's success in value-based care, which is a huge victory in its own right, also help solve recruiting challenges. And to thrive as a multi-specialty group and be that convenient one-stop shop for patients' care needs, you in turn need a similarly robust suite of services, like, as you noted, RCM, coding assistance, and consulting. What led you to seek out a partner to provide that support? And what were your 
key criteria, uh, both as far as services, as well as shared values and an aligned vision for a potential partnership? You know, it kind of meshes with what, you know, I, you know, I'll say this, we fought, not fought, but we resisted the idea of something like Privia for a long time. We were going to do it ourselves. We were in an MSSP program with a group a couple hours north. We thought, hey, this is easy. We can do this. A couple of years into that, we quickly uh, disabused ourselves of that notion that, you know, there's just not, you can, you can do it. You absolutely can. I don't think you can do it well. Um, so working with our board of directors, we really, you know, looking at the long-term viability of the clinic, we knew that we had to partner with like-minded private practices, you know, that, that share similar goals, similar beliefs, and similar approaches to medicine. You know, it really allows us to to work within the group and know that we're all pulling in the same direction. Um, you know, we have really leveraged our relationship with you guys. When you talk one-stop shop, I think I walk in the front door and the Walmart greeter's there and my Walmart greeter is my performance consultant. Hey, I need data on diabetics. There's this CPT code that keeps getting bounced back from Aetna. Help me find those answers, be my, be my advocate, be my point of contact, point me in the right direction, your credentialing team, you know, hey, I need, I've got a new physician. The speed at which you guys get somebody credentialed with your relationships, especially in the Georgia market, is amazing. We used to do it on our own. We were very good at it. It wasn't near as fast as you guys do it. Being able to both proactively and reactively work with those people and say, hey, data, because, you know, value-based care turns out data in, in amounts that, jokingly, drinking from a fire hose. You know, that you just can't do it. You need somebody that can help you parse it into something that makes sense, that, that's actionable. Because there's that was part of what ruined us in our previous MSSP is we had all the data. I couldn't begin to tell you where to start. So y'all's resources that allow us to take a targeted look at things that actually make a difference. Patients that have a behavioral health issue, twice as expensive as anybody else across the board. So if they're diabetic, they're one cost. If they're diabetic with a behavioral health issue, they're two times that cost. Providing us with contacts, uh, we use Mindula through you guys, that allows us to do telehealth, behavioral health with our patients you know, outside of large cities. There's not a great behavioral health network in this country. So being able to get these people connected in where they are, to be able to knock down the walls of Macintosh Clinic and go, we'll meet you at the house. Just pick up the phone. We'll get you on the phone with somebody who can help. And it's been hugely helpful. It's been, uh, it's, it's interesting talking to other physician groups in, in, throughout the state, things they wrestle with that I go, thank goodness. Yeah, I don't. And to have however many hundreds of physicians just in the state of Georgia and thousands across the country, it's not 15 physicians in small town Southwest Georgia arguing. It's actually, I don't have to worry about, you know, payers pass this new policy. I don't have to go fight it. I've got Privia fighting it on my behalf. And, and you know, it allows us to, I, I can't say it enough that Privia really helps us actually make a difference. Yeah, absolutely. Hearing you discuss credentialing and aggregating and then strategically leveraging data perfectly illustrates the value of a partnership, especially a partner with the size and expertise to influence something as colossal as payer policies. Continuing this thread of partnership benefits for a minute, how has this support helped optimize care quality, coordination, and communication with patients 
to create a better experience, and not just for patients, but for physicians as well. Yeah, I mean, I think the benefits are there's anecdotal and there's look, looking at numbers and hard data and going, wow, this is really working. Looking at our patients, we lovingly call frequent flyers. You know, they're in the ER, you know, instead of calling us, they show up at the ER. You know, they're, they're nervous, they're older, they're, you know, he maybe have anxiety issues. Using y'all's chronic care nurses to have, give them a point of contact. But they've got a number. It doesn't matter the time of day. They pick it up. One of your chronic care nurses is going to pick up. You know, we've seen those patients, you know, go from 12 ER visits in a year to go down to two or three. You know, it's really allowed us to be able to to manage those. You know, I wish we could answer every phone call from every patient the second they wanted to call. You know, we between just our two main value-based care programs, we've got 4,500 patients. We just can't. Um, the nurse advice line, you know, the instead of the patient calling here, not getting us, you know, being able to contact those attributed patients, get, or have them contact the nurse advi- care advice line, you know, who's somebody who can get in hold with our physicians, you know, and honestly, it, it filters out some of the, hey, I need my medication refilled. You know, it doesn't go to the on-call physician. It helps with some of that. You know, being able to give them a point of contact who is aware, who has access to the medical record, you know, and is able to talk to them knowledgeably. And hey, you know what? I see the last visit, Dr. Such and Such said, you need to make sure you're taking your blood pressure medication. Have you been? Well, no, I haven't. Why haven't you? I can't afford it. Okay, let me talk to your doctor's office. It allows us a little more communicative, a little more iterative process with the patient to help fix those problems they may have. You know, in the past, Macintosh Clinic, you know, by themselves was hey, we need to get a message out to all all of our diabetics, letting them know they need to be able to do their eye exam, foot exam, uh, A1C, whatever it is that you're in in going, okay, you know, our old system, you know, didn't didn't do very well with being able to send those messages out, identifying them, being able to you guys and you guys proactively coming to us and going, hey, we've got a list of everybody who doesn't have a colonoscopy. We're going to reach out to them via text. And if they would like to, they can send back a message and we'll send them a ColoGuard. Fantastic. Being able to improve compliance across those measures has been been a huge benefit for us. Um, there's not a doctor out there that's not getting burned out on a daily basis. You know, I, I talk to them. I talk to administrators at other practice and I go, I don't know how they keep doing it. You know, to be able to partner with you guys, to be able to use those solutions and walk away going, okay, we did the best we could for our guys today. And they left at noon and I know one of them's already on a lake fishing somewhere. You know, it, you know, it gives them time to do what they do and be who they are outside of here. You know, gets them off that hamster wheel of eight to five, five days a week. And I got a call afterwards and I've got to go do this. And again, that, that lets the physicians be the physicians. I do not have physicians that have to stay till 10 p.m. at night because they didn't get all their labs answered. I do not have physicians that go home on a weekend and have to finish 25 charts over the weekend. Yeah, very well said, Mike. Trimming excessive administrative work is vital on so many levels. Empowering doctors to doctor per Macintosh Clinic's mantra. Uh, Mitigating burnout, which studies show is directly linked to care quality. And just affording physicians the bandwidth and capacity to grow, to cultivate their unique practice of medicine. That 
increased bandwidth is especially critical during the volume-to-value transition. Adapting to value-based care entails ongoing education and experimenting with new workflows and learning from mistakes, all while continuing to excel in our still predominantly fee-for-service world. What tools and support have you found most useful to ensure viability now while successfully transitioning to value-based care? I hear you ask that question and I go, I think we're doing it right. You know, it's one of those things, we're, we're stuck in the middle of it right now and we're, we're doing our best to map a way through it. Um, I think we're going to continue to push in this direction. You know, I've been in healthcare about 15 years now and I can tell you in 15 years, I've seen it move, you know, change directions twice so far. So, I, you know, I think this is the, the current what we're working with. You know, part, part of the difficulty, part of the challenge of, you know, continuing to have a foot in both worlds or actually having most of my feet in the, the you know, the fee-for-service world while we start to put a foot into the value-based care world is they have different challenges. They have different skill sets you got to have for both. So, you know, being able to work with you guys on one side and using online scheduling to make sure we're maximizing our schedule density to being able to, you know, you, you, things you guys have available like Coder Plus that, that allows physicians to maybe take some of that more tedious, you know, clicks out of the process for them to free them up to do more physician-based tasks. Working with Revenue Cycle to proactively know about changes that allows us to not have to touch a claim six times, back and forth, back and playing the ping pong game with, with the payers. You know, it helps us be more efficient. And the more efficient I can be, the more streamlined of a business I can run, which then decreases overhead, which then allows the physician owners to have, you know, take home more money at the end of the year, which their turn makes happier doctors, which therefore makes my life easier. Because that's all I'm here for is to make them happier. So my life's easier. But then you look at the value-based care side of things, and it's it's kind of a mix of things. There is some some personal kind of reflection you have to do as a physician and as a practice and go, can we do this? What what is it going to take to do this? And, and to and to get an idea and to talk to other practices, in y'all's case, talk to practices in the mid-Atlantic and Texas that were on the journey ahead of us and go, hey, what do we need to be focusing on? Hey, well, here's here's how we got started. Here's what we screwed up royally. Don't do this. You know, I think that's one of the things that that has made the group, especially the groups I know in Privia that have been successful, is their ability to, you know, none of us have all the answers. I There are a handful of other administrators, CEOs in Privia that I will call directly or text directly and go, what are y'all doing about this? Or have y'all seen this before? Or you know, I am I am not a fully formed human being or CEO by any stretch of the imagination. Um, so being able to to rely on these people and and know we're all fighting the same fight, we're all climbing the same hill together. Um, from a team perspective, from a Privia team perspective, and other uh, private practices, I'd like to raise all the boats in the bay. There's hey, we'll add attribution, we'll add other practices, and there's also hey, let's take the ones we've got and make them. better at whatever that measure is, whatever we're being graded on. And we do that, it benefits all of us exponentially, you know, to be able to, to improve those things together. 100%. That idea of uniting together on a shared mission, collaborating to lift everyone up, and having the 
humility, really, to admit none of us has all of the answers, but that's okay. You know, we can learn from and grow with each other. And when you combine those elements, you have a recipe for massive and meaningful change in healthcare. And that's also the perfect segue to my final question. As the president of the Georgia chapter of the MGMA, you play a pivotal role in uniting practice managers across the state to advance advocacy. By uniting together and being a part of something bigger, you're able to make a greater impact in how patients are cared for. So how can organizations elevate doctors and administrators to lead healthcare transformation in their communities? And what are some realistic yet optimistic changes you would most like to see? Uh, wow. Yeah, that's, you know, it's, it's interesting. In my role with GMGMA, it's been hugely eye-opening for me. I think one of the big problems with getting physicians more involved, getting practices more involved, is that hospitals, generally speaking, all pretty much do the same thing. They've got an emergency room, they've got an operating room, they've got a CT machine, an MRI machine, labs, you know, practices in this town, even especially with MGMA, where it's all private practices across urology, GI, OBGYN. It, it, it's trying to find those things that that have some common threads to them that we all, you know, I don't even pretend to know anything about what goes on in an OBGYN practice specific, but I do know payer issues, credentialing issues with payers, delays in, in payments and stall tactics, any, you know, any one of the things where you look at it and you go, this is so blatantly obvious, uh, prior authorization issues, you know, working with these groups and going, I can't fix your specific to your specialty problem, but we need to come together on these things that we share common issues with. The, the independent, you know, private practice physician is a integral part, especially on the primary care side, that I think I think people are starting to realize, but I don't think they're realizing it at a rate quick enough for my liking personally. But you know, they didn't call and ask me directly. But you know, I, I think that that they have an ability to connect with patients at a level that, you know, a large academic setting, a, a hospital owned group, you know, those places that they, they just don't have that ability to connect at the level. One of the things we really, that I try to work on with my staff and my physicians is being nimble. You know, we're not a hospital. We don't have to go through 32 committees to get something approved. We see something, we realize it's not working. We make a change. We sit down the physicians, we go, hey, here's the change we have to make. This is how we think we're going to do it. What are we missing? I think we have a real ability and, and our numbers show it, but how do we, how do we reproduce that at every practice everywhere? We have a real ability to affect the cost of healthcare, you know, the appropriate care in the appropriate location. That's we, we focus on all that all the time. We, we go out of our way to be able to give, you know, infusions, simple infusions here at the office where, you know, a lot of practices, especially if they're owned by a hospital, say, go over to the emergency room. Well, we can do it here for a couple hundred dollars where over the hospital, it's, I don't know, a thousand, whatever it may be, but it is an increased cost, you know, in that, in that emergency room setting. Um, and, you know, it allows us here to kind of treat the whole patient, really focus on 
kind of root issues. Uh, you treat the person, not the problem. And we really, I, I, I think and I hope and I pray that we will continue to see the pendulum swing in this direction where they recognize private practice, primary care as a super valuable resource that they have ignored and personally, in my two cents, underpaid for decades now. They have built the healthcare world on our backs. They always want our referrals, but they don't want to do the things to be able to keep the practices open. Yeah, I'm right there with you, both in your frustrations about the pace of progress, as well as your optimism that changes are happening and the industry is recognizing, however overdue, the vital role of private practices and primary care. And as these changes uh, hopefully continue to unfold, I'd love to welcome you back to the break room to continue our conversation. But for now, Mike, I just want to thank you for sharing your perspective with me and our listeners. Well, hey, listen, I, I do. I appreciate it. And, you know, please let me know and I'm happy to help. And thank you to you, our listeners, for tuning in today. You can find content by our guests, physicians, and healthcare industry thought leaders on Informed, the blog by Privia Health. Be sure to subscribe to our podcast and blog to stay up to date on all things healthcare. I hope you enjoyed this episode, and I will see you next time for another episode of The Break Room. So stay tuned.